Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline right now, he's the head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers. They start against Truman State later on tonight. Matt Painter is with us. Hello, Matt. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. little game day conversation. I'm assuming, right, night number one yep. on the 2nd of November, you have everything all figured out up there, correct? <laughs> not, not quite, but we're, we're working on it. <laughs> Where do we start here? With the team, obviously, you lose three significant dudes from that squad a year ago. I'm sure we'll go over in a second. But compare that to what you're embarking on right now with this group at night number one tonight. Yeah, you always get, you know, a lot of questions and everything kind of segueing from one year to the next. And you just, you you got to look at it as just kind of that blank canvas and get figured out pretty quickly, like, you know, who you're going to work around, especially offensively. A lot of times defensively in what you do um, kind of stay is, is just kind of the same. It's just kind of a staple of what you do and you can make some, some tweaks to it, but it's a great place to start for us with Zach Eady. You know, having a, a guy that's an All-American caliber player, his per 40 numbers last year were, were fabulous. He averaged 14 and 8 in 19 minutes, which is, you know, huge numbers. And so we expect a lot out of him. We have a very good front line. I don't think he's going to be in a position to play 30 minutes um, just because Caleb first, Trey Kaufman ran, Mason Gillis are such good players in their own right. So we really like the stability and the depth you know, of our front line. And then, you know, we have some really good guards. We have some guys returning and Ethan Morton, you know, Brandon Newman, Brian Waddell's coming off injuries. He's not, you know, back to where he was before. Um, and, and so that's been a little bit of a, a process for him. Then we have a lot of new guys. So we have four true freshmen. We have two redshirt freshmen in Trey Kaufman, Wren, in, in Brian uh, Waddell. And then we also have David Jenkins, who's in his sixth year of college. Um, with the, all the crazy rules. <laughs> yes. Um, got a degree from Vegas, you know, got a master's from Utah, and I'll get a master's at Purdue. So he's taken advantage of it. He's a guy that scored 1,800 points. He's made over 303. So we have a very skilled team in terms of shooting the basketball. We have a couple freshman guards, and Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith, and uh, that can dribble, pass, and shoot that are good players. I think our fans are really going to like. Ethan Morton, Brandon Newman, got to give us, you know, that experience. Um, you know, they're, they're the guys that have been through it, you know, the most for us. So, but we're really just looking to um, piece some things together. If I, if I left somebody out of that equation, I apologize, but um, I like you asking one question, then I just, I, oh, I just it's talk. beautiful. That's what I want you talk to do. for four or five minutes and just ruin your next question. You, so, but no, yeah. I'm excited. We, our, our staff's done a good job of piecing it together. We still do it more of the old fashioned, you know, route of developing guys, bringing guys in early. Um, sticking with them if they're not quite ready or there's a log jam at their spot, little redshirt guys. Just, you know, having fun in college basketball, um, it just stinks sometimes when you start off and you're going against 22, 23-year-olds and you're 18 and 19. Then you get off to a bad start, and it just it doesn't help your career. What helps your career is just kind of getting there, getting it figured out, being seasoned. If you've got a spot where you're starting or you're in the rotation, then that's great. 
that is great. But when you're not now kind of using that, you always tell our guys that, you know, Patrick Mahomes redshirted with the Chiefs. You know, I, I think you guys can, you know, right. take that year and get things figured out. That was the best medicine, you know, for him because he obviously had the ability, but now he can learn the system with the Chiefs, the NFL under, I think Alex Smith was the quarterback at the yep. time. And and so it was perfect. And, and so a lot of times with that, when people look at that, in, in today's kind of microwave society, it comes out as, you know, well, he, this guy's not good enough. When in, actu- in all actuality, you know, the coaches feel really good about it. I and mean, you just need that extra year and you're just planning for down the road so they can have those great two, three years at the end of their career. So Matt Painter, the head coach of the Boilermakers, they start against Truman State coming up later on tonight. You know, you had mentioned about the uh, three different schools. I went to three different schools, but not for the same reasons we're talking about right now. I think. <laughs> much, much different back in the day as to the reason why I hit three different schools. I did want to ask you about Trey because everybody in the state of Indiana remembers his game, but most have not seen him since right. for a year. What, what, what His development in this year – that you were talking about getting a year off, getting able to soak into this. How has that been for him? Yeah, you know, when we took him, like kind of him jumping into the equation for us, like, you know, we recruited him at a young age. and um, But at the end, we just thought, like, the way his skill level, he could actually kind of be that combo forward, like three, four. He's gotten really big, and and it's a good thing. And he's more kind of that four or five for us, where first is at the four or five. And then obviously Zach's a five and Mason's a four, but he can score. Like he, he led us in scoring other night against Cincinnati in our scrimmage, had 15 points in 20 minutes, and uh, just a matchup. And, and it just kind of depends on, you know, when he's with Caleb, they're a really good combo together. And then if he posts up when he's with Zach, you know he's getting the second biggest guy because the biggest guy is going on Zach. So then he has a little bit of an advantage there too. But he can face up and score. He can put the ball on the floor. He can post. He's just a really good offensive player. And um, we're excited about it. He made a real mature decision last year because we had that log jam last year, and you knew some people were going to be out. We had some guys still not play very much in our equation last year because of Zach and Travion and all the guys that I've mentioned. But um, we're excited about him. He, he's he's going to be a fabulous player at Purdue. Matt, I do want to ask you about the decision that he made, and it was an incredibly mm-hmm. mature decision. It, it seems like decisions like that are going to become increasingly more difficult to make mature decisions as you're talking about right. Trey and mine. Right. Well, you look at the five last year for us, so there was no minutes. Like you wanted to play Travion more and you, and you couldn't. You wanted to play Zach more and you couldn't. You just got 40 minutes there. We messed with it in the summer with Travion and Zach playing together. It just wasn't going to work. You know, everything was going to be on Travion's shoulders to be able to do things that he doesn't normally do with chasing a four around, playing the four position, you know, things of that nature, transition defense, ball screen defense. It just was a. It was too much of a chore, and we, we didn't move in that direction. If we would have, it would have hurt people probably even more that the people we're discussing now, Mason Gillis, Trey Kaufman, Caleb. So when he does it, you're looking at that four position. Mason had been suspended, so he was out for six games. And so you have that time where he's going to get a little bit of that opportunity, but then Mason's going to come back. So now does he get that opportunity? Does Caleb get that opportunity? Or is, or is that Mason? You just don't know at that time. You're just being hypothetical at best, but you're trying to be as honest as you can. The coaches that just sit back and say, oh, man, it's going to work for you. Everything's going to be great. Right. You know, once you get to that point, you've got to really digest what's happened in June, July, August, September, October, and then say, hey, man, here's where you are. And just be as honest as you can be with them. Here is where you are right now. It doesn't mean in a month you can't be in a better position, but in a month you can be in a worse position. 
because it's competition. Like you, you take that personal, like they're talking about you, but it's, it's all relative. They're, t- they're talking about competition and what to do. So he was behind those guys at that time. We run a lot of stuff. And so being able to take some of that in and still compete and still play, it takes people a little bit of time. And all those guys that I talked about, it takes a little bit of time. Travion came in and didn't play in his first 10 games. We needed Zach right away. You know, Caleb ended up starting for us. And then after about 10, 12 games, Mason ended up starting. So, like, when you look at those minutes, there was time we always wanted to play, you know, Caleb even more than we did. But it was hard with certain matchups with certain teams. And now that's what you kind of learn as a freshman when you play. It's kind of what you learn as a freshman when you don't play. You're like, oh, man, like everybody thinks about their recruiting and where they are through their offense. But playing time comes with can you play offensively without turning the ball over? Do you know what's going on? And can you guard anybody? Now can you guard different people at the four? Because your whole life you always migrated to the rim. You always went to the rim from a defensive standpoint. Now you got some joker out there spotting up in the corner and and you're by the rim and they're hitting threes. So you got to learn to match up. You got to learn to guard different people. You really got to learn to guard, you know, a a perimeter player because we switch sometimes with our four men also. So there's a lot of things that go into there where the common fan just wants to give it, you know, that direct comment, like they should use him here and use him there when the other team gets to do what they want to do. Also, we, I always say that, like we can't coach both teams. We can only coach one team. So those things that go into that right there in rotations and who can guard who and who can play without turning it over, who knows what the hell's going on. It all kind of gets thrown in a pot right there, and you've got to be able to gauge it to the best of your ability. You have the advantage as a coach because you're the one that's been through it before. You know, different face, different name, but a lot of similarities sometimes when you see guys. And we've been able to do a good job on two fronts. That one and getting guys to understand that after They've worked for four to five months. And then when guys are leaving college, we haven't had anybody leave college and make a mistake. They've all left. And, you know, when they they have left early, they've went into really good situations at the pro ranks or they've stayed and went one more year or two more years, got their degree, and then helped themselves out professionally. So Matt Painter, the head coach of the Boilermakers. Truman State, the opponent later on tonight, as the season is officially underway for Purdue up in West Lafayette. You mentioned the three-point shot. How is your defensive philosophy – with your players, how has that evolved over the past uh, 10 or so years where now the, the major focus is three is better than two in most offenses? Right. Yeah, you got to get people out of rhythm. you got to break their rhythm. You have to be in a good spot. Um, you know, it's not as much, even though we play out of the low post a lot, not, not everybody plays out of the low post. In our league, I, I would say our league with, you know, Illinois, um, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Ohio State, um, I'm probably leaving out um, some ones. You know, Iowa has been so good just with their system. You know, and they've had size, but they've had very they've had a lot of versatile size too um, that cause you a lot of problems. So our league will you know post up a lot. So I, I think that's the piece for us is being able to figure out what to give up. Can we stay one on one right there? And I don't like to stay one on one, especially early in the game because I don't like our, our size and some of our better players on our front line getting into those foul troubles, so we double a lot. So you just got to be able to gauge that piece of it. Anytime the ball is getting to the paint, you're, you're more in jeopardy of them getting clean threes. Yeah. You get an offensive rebound, spray out three. If you get a dribble yeah. penetration, especially in transition, spray out three. You get the ball 
um, in a ball screen or you get into a, a post double. Anytime, the, anytime two people get on the basketball and the ball moves quickly, a lot of times you're very, very susceptible to give up a three. And, and so, like, you want to do your best to stay out of rotations. You want to do your best to stay on the same page. When you hear coaches saying – just do your job or stay connected. It simply can, you know, do you have players that can follow what they're doing? It's not as much as just exactly what you're like, you're doing is important. It's that you're not surprising anybody and you're staying connected. You're not just being sloppy with what you're doing. You're being disciplined with what you're doing. And the more you can do that, the more you're going to stay ahead of plays. When you get behind plays, that's when you're normally going to foul or give up some easy shots. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey, Matt, how do you think that defensively other teams are going to handle Zach this year it, compared to what they did a year ago because you had obviously different right. personnel there and you had Jaden on the floor as well. How are defenses going to handle him yeah, in your expectation? Yeah, I think they're going to foul him. Yeah, that's what I think. Are you? And, uh, uh, do they? Um, are we at a point now <laughs> where we think that that officials around America are able to to call accurate fouls to officiate up a big man like that? Yeah, I think that anytime you're different, um, it, there's an adjustment period. No so we send a lot. We send a lot of clips with it. It's like Jay Nivey's ability to get by people. And them allowing them to put their hands on. He's getting by people in college. <clears throat> I went to the Pacers game the other day when the Pistons played him. He was getting by those guys. So if you're getting by those guys, man, you're pretty fast. Now he's he's got to learn to finish at the rim and stay off the floor, um, and and make those decisions and keep doing those things, which he will. He'll he'll get good at that. But his ability to get by people, and I'd always tell him like he's so fast that he's getting hand checked. You're just not quite seeing it the same because he's you know it's just happening so quick. And so, but you got to call it. That's that's you know that's the rule. With though with with Zach, just he's uh, he's an aggressive player. He's a physical player. When you get guys of that size, a lot of them are just you know they're just plotters. And if they can get rooted and they can get down there, you know they're tough to deal with. But then if they don't, then like they're they're not that big of a threat, especially on the glass. Well, he is. You know he can get on the offensive glass. He can post deep. He can play. The thing that's jumped out for him is ball screen defense keeps getting better. His passing keeps getting better. And he gets a lot of different looks. So, you know, it helps when you're 7-4. You can just go over the top of people. But uh, he's done a good job in those areas, which is tough. When you have that kind of cargo, sometimes it's hard in transition defense and in ball screen defense. Does he get frustrated when he gets hacked and there's no whistle? Yeah, he gets frustrated. But it's it's part of the game, too. I just said, hey, it, you know, you're different. Um, but everybody gets you know bad calls. I just don't like it when we clip the same stuff and the tactics that they use, whether they're wrapping him up, whether they're using their arm bar out of the box, you know, whatever it might be, whether they're you know they're chucking him when he gets to the free throw line when he's running, just all the things they say every year they're going to clean up. You know, it's got to be excessive with him, or he'll get that position. And, and so, like, not in, how many times I've been to a high school game seeing somebody of size. And then seeing high school reps that just absolutely can't do it. And everybody throws their hands up. Well, they're not used to doing right. it. And so, like, you know, you take someone like Greg Oden that played at Lawrence North and they somebody refs his game, and then they don't ref his game again for two months. But then at the end, they're like, hey, this guy struggled. Well, he ref Greg Oden twice. Like, he's just not familiar with it. So when you get the Big Ten refs and you get a lot of the same faces – 
you know, now they start to pick up on things. They, they start to understand things. And you get the clips from the league office. You get to see kind of the tactics that people are using. And then, you know, then they start to – the good ones jump on it. The ones that, that aren't as polished in the area, it's hard for them just because they haven't seen it as much. A couple of young dudes in the backcourt from Homestead and Westfield, respectively, and Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith. Uh, what's been your thought on what you've seen from them so far in their early development? Yeah, you know Fletcher Lawyers uh, has played well. Uh, they they both have a lot of similarities. They're both they're both tough. They both believe in themselves. They're competitive, um, skilled, can dribble, pass, and shoot. Um, but Fletch is a guy that can obviously has great range, uh, can play with the dribble. So that really helps us having another guy, not just our point guard, being able to handle the basketball. Uh, but he's been really good. Um, he's been really good. Um, just got to keep working. And, and knowing what's going on from a defensive standpoint and then just taking everything in from an offensive standpoint and playing off his instincts. I always get guys that can score the basketball and also pass the basketball. you got to look to score. And they take that away, now you're passing so much easier. Um, Braden Smith just gives us that quintessential point guard, like I said about Fletch, you know, tough, hard-nosed. Um, the thing that jumps out about both of them more than anything to me um, is that they believe in themselves. And you get a lot of false bravado um, in the game of basketball. <laughs> you just do. You get people that are that talk a good. You see a lot more at the Y, right? Oh like, well, yeah, uh, well, yeah. yeah good new ballers, <laughs> like last good night. I just, I think I just saw it last night, Matt. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. And, and so, but they believe in themselves. Like I just, <laughs> yeah. When I was that age, I just, I just, man, I was like, I can't guard anybody. I'm physically weak. Like they both just, you know, they they got that moxie about them. Where they they feel like you know I'm, I'm gonna make this play I'm gonna you know and they they, they talk and but he's a, he's a good player he's a, Braden Smith's a good player he can pass the basketball he's competitive he knows how to play passing lanes um, he knows what's going on he's coachable they're both coachable and so that that's what's cool about it like it's still got to be fun for the coaches I think that gets lost sometimes this, um, yeah there's no and that's doubt what I try to do I try to. I, after a while, especially when you struggle or especially think you're going to get fired somewhere, and when we lost those two years, I said, you know, we got to get a more cerebral player. we got to get a tougher player. we got to get a more Purdue-type guy, and I think we've been able to do that here, you know, the last seven, eight years. Um, and these guys are quintessential Purdue guys, man. They're, they're fun to be around. They're coachable. Um, they enjoy the game. And then, like, the game means something to them. And uh, they want to win every single day in practice. How um how quickly can you tell just by watching somebody that a kid's coachable? It takes a little bit of time because a lot of things that you see they're playing they're playing the role that they want to play normally in high school. Like when something doesn't go their way, that's when you find out about them more than anything. So when you get them and things don't go their way, like these two guys are starting for us right now. Like what happens if one of them now gets out of the starting lineup and like. Yeah. They're not going to like it. Competitive people don't like that. But can they be a pro about it? Can they be professional about it? Can they still take things in? Do they look at it like it's personal? Um, a lot of people around players through the years, like I'm, I'm talking like just competitive basketball, there's always this talk. Basketball is not too hard of a game to figure out, like in comparison to like the NFL or, you know, you're sitting there watching the NFL and like the packages they're doing, like common fans just don't know right. what's going on. Well, basketball is not that difficult. So, like, when things go wrong, like, there's a lot of noise around guys. Like, can you take this in and be like, you know what, I haven't been very good, and they're making this move for the best interest of the team, and now I'm not going to start, but I'm going to get myself back. And 
um, you know, you, you're not coming to Purdue to start. You're coming to Purdue to win. And it, it is a team game. And so, like, you find out real quick when adversity sets in. That's why I hate all the, the, the rules and everything that's going on because what defines you as a person is how you go through adversity. And now they're just saying, hey, if some adversity's there and you don't like it, you get to transfer and play here right away. Then if you don't like it there, you get to transfer there and uh, play there right away. Then if you don't like it there, you get to transfer. And that's just not life. That's just not the way life is. You don't jump like that all over the place just out of, you know, a little bit of adversity. And it's hard to play right away. Very few people have great freshman year. Very few. And the ones that do really separate themselves. But a lot of them that are good enough, if they stick it out, are pretty good their sophomore year. You learn a lot in that first year. You know, it's funny about that, too, and I'm, I don't, I'm assuming you agree, but you can play off of this. It, it seems like that, that the decision-makers believe in what they're doing right now and just being able to jump is for the betterment of the individual, of the player, of the of the kid in this moment. But what you don't recognize is the detriment that it is when you get a an older adult further down the road. It just is. I mean, it's a learning experience. No question. I completely agree with you, Matt. No question. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes on at that level with the NCAA to where they're, you know, the fear of litigation. There's just a lot of things where, you know, with the name, image, and likeness, like some of the name, image, and likeness stuff is just is fabulous and it's good. But some of us, they're just buying guys. I mean, it's it's not real hard to see. You know, they're just, you know, they're you get in the recruiting battles. You're like, well, I can't get in the recruiting battles with them. Well, these are the same people that were buying people before, too. You know, now they just took it from under the table to above the table. And and so, like, that's always been – we've really done a good job at Purdue as a staff in, in being able to navigate and find out, like, okay, we can't recruit these guys because it's going to go south here in that direction. Now we got to go and recruit people that, from an education standpoint, that's important. From a basketball chemistry standpoint, this is really going to help us. And that's how we've been successful, and that's how we'll continue to do it. I do like parts of name, image, and likeness. I, I do like some of that thing, but they had to keep it out of the recruiting space and they didn't do it. And now it's a little bit of a mess. Well, and I'm curious, where's, where's your, your breaking point? Where is your, your line where you go, you, you know what? Um, this is us. This is our ceiling. And if you're above right. that ceiling, then just move on. Where, where is your ceiling? Well, we have a great, we have a great system. I've, we've gotten it um, and we're going to keep trying to improve it um, to where everybody in that locker room, that scholarship gets the same amount then they can navigate from that with their own contacts or a Boilermaker marketplace, which we have 200 businesses in. So they can go above and beyond that. And they, they, it just depends on who they are and their market and things of that nature. But we get that same rate to start with for everybody because that's, you know, it's a team game yeah. and you're in that locker room and now you got some guy getting X amount of money versus the other one. And the one guy that's getting more isn't playing as well as the next guy. You know, you're just going to get, you know, some tough scenarios that are really, really hard to navigate. So I thought that was the best uh, way to handle it up front and then just kind of work from there. But we have a great group together um, and and we want to keep learning about it. We want to keep helping those guys. But we also want to understand the value of education and what that's been able to do and the doors that that opens from coming to Purdue University. Like that opportunity is still number one. And it just, you know, you have to be able to give young people opportunities so they can grow into ownership roles, not just the workplace. Like these guys are in an unbelievable position, but if everything is a handout going forward, at some point in life, the ball stops bouncing and there's not going to be handouts in life. You've got to be able to earn things. So we try to stay on earning ground here in terms of just keeping things in perspective 
and understand like who's been successful at Purdue, who understands the big picture of things. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. At some point, it seems like that um, the financials will will turn upside down. Uh, I mean, how is this how is this going to to be able to hold out for five and ten years to come? You think that's that's yeah. You're you're trying to yeah. You're trying to predict out about something that hasn't ran its course yet. So that's hard to do. Um, it's it's really hard to do. Uh, the one thing you don't want is you don't want it at the expense of other athletes and other programs. Um, and that's what I'm scared, you know, might happen. I hope that doesn't happen. What the NCA puts out on their webpage is, is just a rundown of where the money goes. And a lot of it, you know, gets put back into those institutions. A lot of it gets used for the sports that don't make money. And it's not really fair to those sports because that's the marketplace, right? You know, okay, that's, you know, football, men's basketball, couple other sports at a couple other places make a little make some money but like that's the marketplace and so like but we're still just another sport so when you get into the comparison of things now a lot of that money is for those other athletes for those other programs and then that gets put into there and that's what funds it and you know we need that you know we need that for those athletes and we need to keep that the same way you know uh, across the board and so that's what's going to get kind of sticky to me is that like a lot of times when money gets shifted and it gets put other places because this is supposed to be different money right yeah and and so it's supposed to be and that's what'll be interesting in four or five years how we kind of look back and say hey somebody was affected by this kind of outside of the realm of men's basketball in other sports or it actually worked and it worked perfectly. I don't think anything that we're discussing is going to work perfectly, but we got to learn from it. We just didn't get the guardrails with name, image, and likeness and the one-time transfer that we needed to. I was at the forefront of that on a lot of those committees. They just, we talked about it, we discussed it, we were adamant about it, and just some of the things that we were adamant about, they, they didn't do. And uh, I don't know the legality of everything because I'm just a basketball coach, but um, it was frustrating. It was really was it? frustrating because I just, you know, you, you got to be able to look at, uh, at young people in the one-time transfer and, and understand that we have a landscape of change. What I mean by that is you've got kids changing high schools all the time, going to prep schools. You got, you know, kids playing on a different AAU team for four five, six years leading into college. So when things have happened, they've moved or used to moving. And now we have rules that are encouraging movement. Um, and it's not always about your happiness. Like that's how you should make a decision. Like you should make a decision through your happiness and saying, Hey, this is the right people for me. This is the right education for me. This is the right basketball style for me. Now I can move forward. They don't even like digest it as much and like, okay, I'll make that move. I'll go there. But if that doesn't work, I can go here and it just isn't, you know, that's not the right platform and that's not the right way to go about things. But we do have that landscape already. And if you go internationally and you see other countries and you see how they do it and, and you see the togetherness, um, we've really grown in that area with USA Basketball. USA Basketball has really done some cool things to try to bring the elite together. But now we're all out individually. And if they go after one year, they go after two years, and that's who they are, then so be it. But if you don't, 
you know, you got to be able to look at like, okay, where am I getting my degree from? Where am I going to be from a professional standpoint? And you just want to have those guardrails to be able to build those habits and those values and I'm just going to help them in basketball, but it's going to help them in life. So Matt Painter's with us. I do want to get back to one thing. You mentioned that committee. Were, was this a like a coaches in that room unified type of voice on where to go and where ultimately they didn't go, or were there some outliers in that room? Yeah, well? no, it, it's multiple committees, so I, I talk okay. very general there. Yeah, so I'm on the NABC board. I'm on the Men's Basketball Oversight Committee. I was on the one-time transfer subcommittee. Um, I'm on a subcommittee for waivers. I was on a subcommittee for for scheduling, and that was during COVID. That was a blast. Um, <laughs> so we had to have yeah. a recruiting schedule ready, you know, if things broke sure. like in September. Then we had to have something ready if it broke in the fall. Then we had to have something that ready if it broke in the spring. So you're constantly doing all this work to get it ready, and then, okay, we're not going to go out recruiting. Okay, four months later, let's do it all over again. Okay, you're not going to go out recruiting. So it was like Groundhog's Day, like going through that. So there's a lot of different committees. One of the things we've talked about, there's not enough coaches. Like from a voting standpoint, you get to your executive council, which is really mainly, you know, 80, 90% of them are presidents that make those final votes. Underneath them is a D1 council. Um, a lot of administrators, um, commissioners, assistant commissioners, ADs. I might be a little bit off there in the composite of the committee, um, but there's no coaches on it. And so they're the ones making those votes. And then at the men's basketball oversight committee, there's only two coaches on there. And, they, mm. and they're really suggestions. They're, they're like you, you talk, you chew on it, you suggest, do you want council votes on it? Or if they can't or have the authority to vote on something certain, now they move that on to that president's council. So we're really fighting to get more coaches in the room. We've had some black eyes with individual coaches, you know, across the board, um, but I don't know what occupation you don't. And it kind of looks where we need that trust. And we have a lot of really good coaches that care about kids that do things the right way. And it just seems like there's not a lot of trust there in what we have to say. And it's very unfortunate that's the case. I used to hear, you know, Bo Ryan come to our committees and Tom Izzo, who's still doing it, come to our, you know, our, I shouldn't say committees, come to our conference um, meetings and they talk about things. And I always thought they were so far-fetched. I'd be like, man, like they seem so extreme. They seem so like, man, that's not, that's not reality. And now as all this has happened, they were warning us about this and they were saying like, Hey, they're not listening to what we have to say. And I just thought like, man, they're, they're just kind of crusty. Because we've seen both yeah. of them be crusty on the sidelines, sure, and get after it all the time. So yeah. <laughs> then once I got in that room, I I, I saw exactly what they were yeah. saying, and they just don't. We have to be able to get that to where we have that trust, and they're they're going to listen to us because we've made some moves here to where our voice just fell on deaf ears, and, it, and it's not helping kids, and it's not helping the game. Do you foresee? Uh, those guardrails you mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, adjustments made in the uh, not-so-distant future? I, I don't. Oh, no. That's it. I don't. Because we like the things that we wanted and the things that we talked about were pretty simple and from a common-sense standpoint, and they didn't do them. And it just, you know, and now, like, you know, we just, we're just saying the same things. And But, you know, it's one of those things, and Mike Bray talked about this, like, move on. And it's like they made the decision. Let's make the make the best of it. And I got his angle, but it's still you know wrong's wrong, right's right. You still got to fight for doing what's best. They always talk about stakeholders of the game, but yet I think coaches are stakeholders of the game too. 
and they don't listen to what we have to say. But our product is our players, the student athletes. Like we have to make decisions that's best for their future. And some of these were good moves, but they needed different guardrails. The one-time transfer is just a bad rule. It, it never, it, it never should have happened. And then they they call it the one-time transfer, and we were like, okay, if that's the case, then after that, like they can't do it again. And now here you see it. You, you knew. You know, right as the toothpaste got out of the tube, you're like, okay. You know, I asked him if I needed to change my resume to the three-time, one-time transfer um, subcommittee, but they they didn't didn't think that was funny. (laughs) Nobody got a laugh out of that. Yeah, my jokes are for my yeah, my jokes are for my humor, not theirs. (laughs) You um, you foresee some uh, long-term effect to the negative here? You got anything in mind that you're thinking about? You know, I you just want somebody that's given something to a, the sport, and you want that you want opportunity. That's what you want for young people. You want them to have opportunities, and a lot of times, like sport gives you that, and you might not have gotten it before, which is which is bad in its own right. You just want whether it's sport or not sport, you want opportunities for people to have them so they can go and have a great life. What gets lost? It's like transfers, like very few transfers are NBA players. There are some outliers out there, but majority of them aren't. And they got to keep that in perspective. So I just don't want guys getting lost in the shuffle because they're chasing their dream and they're moving so much. They're, they're, they're forgetting the big picture of getting an education and having a great life. I always say it like if the only thing you got from your college experience was two all-conference plaques, then, man, you got shortchanged. Like your friendships, the relationships, the contacts, now use that to go out into the real world and have a great life. But you learn to work, and that's what the team is all about, man. You learn to work, but you learn to sacrifice. And anytime you go into business or you do anything, you're going to deal with difficult people. You're going to have a difficult boss at times. Now you've had those experiences and and you've been programmed to push through that. And Coach Katie used to call it a company man. He said, learn to be a company man. And he goes, do you know anything and everything for the betterment of your company. And the only thing you're going to do is just take care of yourself. You're just going to raise your value. And I've always remembered that, and it's so true. I believe you need to be the overseer of, of all these. I'm putting a lot on your plate here. <laughs> of all these committees. Because, oh, listen, yeah. knowing you as much no. as I do, I know, you, you do have the best interest of the overall game and, you know, yep. and those athletes, those students in mind. And you just look around, and you're skeptical that others do. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how some things unfold here. It's going to be interesting to see who are the president of the NCAA. Like that, like you talk about a hire. Like if they get this wrong, whoo, we're, we're in a tough spot. We're in a tough spot anyways. But if they get that one wrong, well, we got to get somebody that understands the big picture of things um, because it, it's hard. We, we have a broken system right now. And, it, and it's unfortunate because there's a lot of good people that work there that are trying to do some things. But in the landscape that we're in, um, we, we need some real solid direction. I think you're it one of these days. I want you to no, coach right now. I, Purdue fans are going to get all pissed because I'm trying no. to direct you. But, I mean, seriously, great ideas. No. I, I get educated every time you come on. <laughs> and it takes a lot to educate me. It does. So. <laughs> I get educated every time you come on, and I, I'm with you. I'm with you on so many things. I, we're we're getting away, and and we haven't even talked about. We don't have enough time, I'm sure, here to talk about the effect that's going to have on down the road the interest of the game to some. I mean, it just yeah. it will at one at one point. Yeah, maybe not now. Game. Maybe not tomorrow. Yeah, right. So. 
All right, buddy. Hey, I appreciate you more than you know. Next time we'll talk even more about basketball. But seriously, I always – Thank you for coming on, and as I mentioned, I we always get educated when you do come on here about what's going on in basketball, and I can't thank you enough for that, always. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right, Matt, I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. All right, see you. It's uh, Matt Painter right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Seriously. 